Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We have been in our series called Detox, and we are going to continue that series today talking about words. And so would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 18? And Proverbs is near the center of your Bible. It's right after the book of Psalms. And Proverbs um, chapter 18, and we're going to read verse 21, and then we're also going to look at Genesis chapter 1, very first book of the Bible, of the, New, of the Old Testament, and we're going to look at chapter 1 there as well. But here we have Proverbs 18, verse 21, and it says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of our words that we speak. And then if we go to Genesis chapter 1, at the very, very beginning, uh, we see in verses 1 through 3, and then as it continues on through chapter 1, we see here it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, then God spoke these words, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And as we continue on, we see that God spoke many things, and it was created in the first day. And he looked, and he said, it is good. And then, and then he spoke some more on the second day, and he looks back, and he's all done, and he says, it is good. He gets to that final day where he creates man and woman, and he says, wow, it is really, really good. God spoke the words, and it was created. Life and death are in, in the power of our words. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you that today we are looking to your word, and your word is truth. Your word brings life. I thank you that the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let faith arise this morning in the heart of every single one of us here today. In Jesus' name, we say amen. I hate you. Why can't you be more like your brother? When are you ever going to get it right? It's always been like this. It's always going to be like this. I have cancer. There's no hope for me. I'm never going to make it. I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I'm so glad God created you the way that he created you. You are special. You are unique. You have a purpose. You're so smart. I'm fighting cancer. My God is a healer. I'm going to make it. I'm an overcomer. I'm a conqueror. This is what Proverbs 18 is talking about. Every single day we live in this, this, there's this constant tension between life-giving words and words that bring forth death. Every single day we hear words. Every single day we speak words. The question is, are they life-giving? Or are they words that harm? Are they words that do damage? Are they words that bring forth death? We see in Genesis 1, that God spoke, and the 
world was created. When we speak, we are creating our world. The question is, what kind of world are we creating around us, right? What kind of world are we creating? The Bible says here in, in a few passages, it says in, in Proverbs 12, 18, it says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Those words of the reckless, they do harm, they hurt, they pierce like swords, but it says that the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. There's toxic words and there's life-giving words. Proverbs 15.4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. How many of you went to elementary school? There should be every hand in this place except for one right back there. Should be raised, okay? And the hands in the womb are not being raised. Um, uh, Every one of us remembers elementary school, and some of you may have heard this on the playground when you saw, you know, or maybe you and another kiddo had a little tiff going back and forth between each other, and you saw a couple kids angry and, and hurting each other, and you heard, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, and usually it's followed by neener, 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 you know? That is the furthest thing from the truth. Because sticks and stones certainly do break bones, right? They, they cause bruises. They hurt. But after a few weeks, maybe a few months, that bruise is gone. The bones are healed. But words can cause bruises. Bruise, they can bruise a man and a woman's spirit. And we can carry those bruises to our graves. So words have power. Words can bring either life or words can bring death. Ladies, I've got some news for you this morning. They say that we speak about 20,000 words a day. 20,000. I've got a lot to say. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> 20,000. It's about, it's about 13,000 more than men. So if you do the math, okay, men speak around 7,000. It's like, you guys think about it? When you say what's important to you, us ladies, we say what we think. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking all the time, right? But when I hear that 20,000 words a day, I have to stop for a second, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I start rewinding in my mind. What did I say today? Were they life-giving? Were they toxic? It makes me pop. Ask myself, what, what, was I, what was I speaking today? Were they the gentle words or were they the words that crush? Were they the words that encourage, the words that bring hope, words that help, or were they words that do damage? But before we can really think about the words that we're speaking, we really have to address words that have been spoken over us or words that will be spoken to us about us over us. The Bible says we are to guard our hearts, guard our hearts from toxic words. And in Proverbs, uh, King Solomon, one of the wisest, he, he's, he shares something with his son, and we see it in verses 20 to 23. He says this, he says, my son, pay attention to my words. And then it's as if he leans in a little closer, 
grabs his son by the shoulders and begins to shake him and says, listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. These are the words that you're to put in your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And these are, this is what he says. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot control what people say to us, what people say about us. We cannot control what people say, what people speak. But we can control what we believe. We can control what we let into our hearts. And so we can't control them. We can't control. I've, I've had conversations with people before that have said, well, what, you know, what if people begin to say this? I'm like, well, they will. It was real encouraging, right? It was a great encouraging pastoral moment that I had. I said, they will. They will say things. They will say those things. There's somebody, somebody in your life will come along and they will say those things. But do you have a guard over your heart? What words have you internalized? What words are you going to choose to let in and that you're going to believe? That's the question. Guard our hearts with, with um, all diligence because out of it is, is life. It's the source of life. My daughter, um, Kara, she's a teenager now, so I have to ask her for permission when I share stories about her. I don't know why I feel like I didn't have to before. But... Um, you know, so uh, I talked to her about this, and she said, yeah, Mom, you can share it. And I said, it, oh, it's, it's perfect. It's exactly what you know, I'm talking about this morning. What do you think? And I shared it with her. So when Cara was in fifth grade, um, there was uh, a, a situation happening, and there was a major crush that someone had on Cara. I mean, we're talking major. Major. It was like crushing big time. That's a whole other thing that my husband took care of, okay? So we're all good. Um, but there was something happening. She had gone to school one day, and all the girlfriends, all the friends come running up to her, and Cara, you're not going to believe what happened in Africa yesterday, and this is what happened, and this is what so-and-so said, and blah, 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 and he said this, and then, blah, blah, blah. and then she's just going on, and she's just taken back, so that all these kids are surrounding her, repeating all these words that were said about her. Well, I, and so she tells me, I said, well, what was, what, what, what happened? What was said? And she said, well, so-and-so was talking to him and saying, well, why do you, why don't you like her and oh, well you know how come you don't like her how come you don't want her to be your girlfriend and the boy says well because I like Kara all the dads in the place were like what um and this other boy at the top of his lungs says why do you even like her she's not even pretty I don't know why you would like her there's nothing about her that I don't even know why you like her she's not pretty and all the kids in the room turned, and they heard everything that was said. And now, the next day, they're repeating these exact words to my daughter. And as mom, I'm doing my best to hold the mama bear claws out, you know, can't contain myself. Um, I'm trying to keep this under control so that my face isn't showing my emotion and my anger and my desire to know the name, the address, you know. Of, you know, I, I'm trying to hold it back, right? And so I'm just like, okay, and... Inside, I'm just ready to explode. But I just look at her, and I said, well, babe, how are you doing? Like, what, what are you, you know, how are you doing with that? She just goes, well, mom, I think he's wrong, and he should get in trouble for that. And I'm like, amen, sister. You know, I'm getting, rising up. I'm taking my little handkerchief. I'm like, amen to that. You know, um, just kidding. I really wasn't. Um, and, uh, but I was like, you're right. That was wrong. But I wasn't seeing this intense emotion that, 
I imagined myself to have in, in a moment like that at that age. And so I just kind of leaned in a little bit closer. I said, well, babe, how are you doing with what he said about you? And she just real quick, without hesitation, she said, well, mom, it's not true. I don't even care what he says. And it just was like, it just, just didn't even, you know, um, you know, it was like, you know, back in the day, what, you know, yeah, talk to the hand. It was kind of like, whatever, you know, not even, didn't even, she didn't even give it a second thought, the actual words that he said about her. And I thought, man, how is that possible? It's because she had a guard over her heart. She, she had guarded her heart, and her heart was so full of the words of her father that he had been speaking to her over her entire life. You see, when our girls were just little, um, my husband, Ben, he, he would come up to them, he'd be like, baby girl, you're so beautiful. And they'd just smile, and they'd have their little Cinderella dress on with their little shoes and little crown, you know. He's like, baby girl, you're so beautiful. And they're smiling. He'd lean in, and he's like, how'd you get so beautiful? And they look at him and they go, Jesus. And with their little, you know, Jesus, you know, posing for him. And he goes, yeah, but how did Jesus do that? And he's going like this, pointing at me. And they go, mommy. And they just start to giggle, mommy. And he goes, that's right, honey. If Jesus made you beautiful, just like he made mama beautiful, you're so beautiful. And so Ev, all the time, he's repeating this to them. Now that they're older, he'll come in and he's like, baby girl, how'd you get so beautiful? And they're like, dad, is mama. It's mama. Because they know Jesus is a given. We know it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer all the time. If you're ever wondering, Jesus is the answer, right? And so Jesus is the answer for them. But now they know daddy's trying to get points with mama. And so mama's the answer. And so they just start giggling. And they, they kind of roll their eyes like, all right, here we go. You know, and they're like, it's mama, dad. It's mom. And he's like, you're right. You're so beautiful. But she's heard those words over and over and over again. So her heart is so full with the truth of the words from her dad that when this little boy, this naughty little boy comes along and speaks, a, throws a toxic word at her, it didn't even, there was, no, there was no way, there was no room for it. It couldn't enter in. She didn't internalize it because she had already internalized the words of her father. And those are the words that she meditated on. Those are the words that she rehearsed. Those are the words that she knew were true. And so we've got to be like my daughter in that moment and make sure that we've got a guard over our hearts. And if, if, if you are, are, are going through life and you know that there have been some words that have been spoken to you and maybe that guard wasn't quite up yet and those words were allowed in and they created a root in your life, I believe this. I believe that as the words of your heavenly father are spoken to you, they're going to come in and they're going to uproot every one of those toxic words that you've been living under and they're going to be removed in the name of Jesus. I believe that. I believe that because there is power in the truth of the word of God and it will remove every single toxic word the Bible says in Psalm 139 14 you have been remarkably and wonderfully made listen to this in 2nd Corinthians 5 17 you are a new creation those old things those old ways that old stuff it is gone it is finished you are a new creation in Christ Jesus 1st Peter 2 9 you are chosen you are holy you 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 are uh, you are royal Ephesians 2.10, which is our theme verse here at Canvas Church, you are God's masterpiece. 
You are his masterpiece. He wants to put your life up on display. He looks at you and he says, that is my masterpiece. That is my son. That is my daughter. You are his masterpiece. You've been created anew in Christ Jesus that you might do the good works that he prepared for you long ago. God loves you. God has a purpose for you. God says you're his masterpiece. God says you're valuable. God says you're an overcomer. God says you're a conqueror. Come on. As those words come, every single toxic word that is alive of the enemy, I believe, has to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We've got to put that guard over our hearts. We've got to make sure that we've got a guard over our hearts. We've got to make sure that the words that we are internalizing, the words that we are, I'm an internalizer. This confession moment right here. I hear things, I latch onto them, I think about them, I meditate on them, and then I explode. And my husband's like, whoa, what just happened? And I'm like, sorry. You know, and it, sometimes it's not like bad things. I'm not saying it's always bad things, but I just, I tend to, I think through things a lot. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you want to know what I have to say? You know, and it just all comes out. But we've got to make sure, I have to make sure what I'm internalizing is the truth. And so as we do that, I believe that we will we'll see great things begin to happen in our life and those lies begin to go. But not only do we need to make sure that we're putting a guard over our hearts, we've got to do what my husband did with my daughter and make sure that we're speaking life over others every chance we get. Every opportunity that we have, speaking life over others, making sure that we're speaking life. Ephesians 4, I think we have it up here on the screen for you. Verse 29, it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Make sure that they're words that are good, words that are helpful, be an encouragement to those that hear them. My husband's not here today, but... I'll have another confessional moment or a moment of confession. I've already talked to Jesus about it. I've already talked to my husband about it, but I'm going to confess it to y'all because why not, right? Um, it happened this week. It was so simple. Um, we, had, we were getting ready to go to bed, and we realized we have nothing for lunches in the morning. We have no food for lunches. We don't have bread. We don't have bagels. We've got cream cheese, but can't really lather that on my child's hand and have them look at, you know, other school. I mean, I don't know. We have to have something to put this cream cheese on. Um, and, uh, and so I was just going, okay, the mom fail moment, number one. Number two, um, I'll run to the store right now. You know, I'm just going to go. And it's late. And Ben was just like, it's been a long day. I just want to sit down and relax. I want to tune out. I don't want to do anything. I don't want you to go to the grocery store. I just want to spend time with you. I want to chat. So he said, don't go to the store right now. I'll go in the morning. If you know my husband well enough, um, he is an early riser. It's like I don't know that Jesus is awake at that time. You know, I'm like I wonder sometimes. You know, the sun is not up. The sun, Jesus, the sun is not risen. You know, um, no, but he gets up before the sun rises, and so he says, "Babe, I'm up early, anyways. I'll just go to the grocery store." And so I said, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll go." So the next morning comes, and he has gone. I he's already been out the door, and he comes back, and I'm downstairs now getting my coffee and getting him a nice cup of coffee, and, um, and I start unpacking all the groceries that he put on the counter, and so one by one, I'm taking these things out, and I pull this one item out, Greek yogurt, and I go, ah, and he heard my sigh, and he goes, what, we already have it? And 
And I go, yeah, I actually just bought one a couple days ago, and we've already opened it. I was like, it's all, it's all right, you know. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, I, I wasn't sure, and I didn't want to take the chance, so I just got it anyways. I'm like, okay, and then I've taken some more things out, and then another item comes out, and I'm like, oh. He goes, oh, let me guess. We already have that, too. And I was like, yeah, we do. I'm just, you know, kind of thinking through the size of our fridge, you know. I'm thinking through the budget, you know. And, and he just goes, you know what, hon? He goes, could you just acknowledge that I went to the grocery store this morning and I bought a bunch of groceries for us because we didn't have any instead of pointing out all the things that maybe I didn't need to get or I shouldn't have gotten. Ah, oh, and I'm preaching on words. Oh, this is so bad. I was like, babe, you are so right. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Something so simple, but they were not words that encouraged. They were words that if, if, if the enemy is smart, which he is, he will take and he will twist those. And then in my husband's ears, what he will begin to hear is, you're not good enough. You never do good enough. You, you always get it wrong. And can you ever get it right? That's what he hears. Because the enemy takes it and he latches onto those. He twists them and he begins to use those words to do a lot of harm. And, and I just was like, babe, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. You're right. You are amazing. You went to the grocery store this morning. I didn't have to go this morning. That is awesome. Because I would have had to get up really early and I'm really glad I didn't have to. And I, I just begin to just ask him for forgiveness and repent of that. But we have to make sure that we are speaking words. What words are we speaking over our spouses? What words are we saying to our children? What words are we saying about our finances? What words are we saying about our boss? What words are we saying about our church? We need to be careful and begin to ask ourselves, what words are we speaking? The holidays are coming, right? And a lot of us are going to go and spend time with family. And some of you, if you're taking people with you, I know because I've done it. You'll have the conversations. Okay, now you're going to meet crazy uncle so-and-so. And then silly Aunt Sally, and then you begin to go down the line, and then we wonder why when we go to those places, Uncle so-and-so is acting crazy. Aunt Sally, all we see is she's just darn silly. We wonder why. Well, because it's what we're speaking. And so we're speaking that, we're putting it out there, and then we begin to focus on that. We begin to look for that. That's what we begin to see because we put those words out there, and we're creating that world around us. If we determined, I'm just going to, every time I think something good, I'm going to say it. What would happen if every single time you thought a good thought, you said it? No, it? It's kind of the opposite way, isn't it? A lot of times we think good thoughts, but we don't say them to people. Instead, we think of, you know, all the, the negative, we point those out. Um, you know, let me help you with some structured criticism. You know, let me, let me, you know, tell, tell you this, or we just, we just say it and not thinking about it. But what if every single time we thought a good thought, we just said it everywhere we were at. You're in the grocery store line and that, that lady looks tired and you're like, you know what? Thank you. I bet you've had a long day. You're getting this stuff. You're scanning it super fast. I really appreciate that. What if we just said something good every time we thought it, we just chose to speak it. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen. My, my daughters, um, my daughters uh, we homeschool. They're part of the time at campus and then part of the time at home with me, and I homeschool them. And at the end of this last year, um, 
um, my, my youngest daughter was, we were talking about the classes we were signing up, her up for for this year, and I was kind of going through them, and I, I said, okay, well, what about science classes? She goes, Mom, I'm not good at science. No, I'm not good at science. I don't understand science class. I, I don't understand what they're talking about. I don't get it, and I'm just, I really don't like it. I'm not good at it. And I stopped her right there. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. No. You are learning science. You're, you're improving in science, hon. I've seen your scores. I've seen your grades. You're improving in science. So that's not true. That's not true. And then my other daughter, she was beginning to say, I, I hate math. I am so bad at math. I'm not good at it. I'm so slow. And I stopped her right there. I said, no, 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 hon. No. The reason why you're at school is to learn it. You're learning math. You're learning your math. You're improving in math. So this year comes, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to try to turn the words that they're saying and get it, get it back over to this direction and have this perspective shift so that they realize that I'm improving in it. I'm, I'm being challenged, but I'm learning it. And so we've been working on that. And then this year, we just uh, a couple weeks ago went to our first uh, uh, parent-teacher uh, conference thing. And we went to the conference, and the teacher that we sit, sat down with for uh, my youngest daughter, every time she always says, well, what is your favorite subject? What's your favorite class? And you can't say art, because for faith, she'll say art every single time. And so she's, that, that's a given. We know art's going to be it. So what's your favorite class? And without hesitation, she said science. And I'm sitting there. I was like, I sat up, and I was like, what did she just say? She goes, science. I love it. I'm having so much fun in my science. I'm learning so much. She just, then I sat there and she, and the teacher says, well, tell me what you're learning. And she, for 15 minutes, began to rattle off all this stuff that she's learning in science class. And I'm just sitting there dumbfounded with my eyes big and my jaw dropped. I'm like, and then my other daughter, we go to her conference and the teacher asked the same question. Says, what's your favorite class? She said, math class. The girl that says, I'm slow, I'm not good at math, I hate math. I mean, we're talking, we would have moments of just tears, tears. I don't get it, Mom. I don't get it. I can't do this, just crying and weeping. I'm like, you're learning it. It's all right. We're learning. To now, math is my favorite class. She came home this week, and on Thursday, Friday is, Monday, Friday is our home day for her. And Friday, she got up. I said, okay, babe. What, what homework do you have? What do you have for math? She goes, I don't have any homework in math. She starts kind of doing this little, I got it all done in class. It was so easy, Mom. It was so easy. And I was just like, that's awesome. I'm like, okay, let's figure out what else we need to speak life into, right? I'm like, that is amazing. But we begin to shift and change the words that we were saying it changed their perspective, and it changed the outcome. It created a different world for them in that moment. Jesus did something in Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, I'll just tell you the story, and um, you can look back at it later. It's incredible. That whole chapter is amazing. You should just read it. Um, but Mark chapter 5, we see that a man came to Jesus, came and found him, and said, I need you to come. My daughter's ill. She's very sick, and would you come and heal her? And uh, so Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I'll come. And they're going a long way. Jesus gets sidetracked with a woman that was really desperate, had a whole lot of faith, and healed her. And that's, I love it that Jesus is willing to be sidetracked by faith. 
Um, but we see that he then is, okay, that's done. Lady's healed. Let's keep going on the journey and go find this little girl. And as they're going, some servants come, and they come and bring news and say, the girl's dead. Don't bother bringing the teacher. Don't bother bringing him. She's gone. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 just believe. And he keeps going, and he gets there. He gets to the home, and everybody outside is weeping. They're wailing. They're weeping. She's dead. She's dead, and they're, they're crying. And Jesus says, no, 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 she's not dead. And then they start ridiculing Jesus. They start laughing at him and ridiculing him for the things that he said. You know what Jesus did? He said, put them all out. Put them out. Why? Because they're not speaking words of life. Put them out. And then Jesus did something. He took Peter, James, and John. I always ask myself, why didn't he take Luke? Luke's the physician. But he took Peter, James, and John. He took three fishermen. Kind of perplexes me, but he took three fishermen. And when I think about it, these were three men that when Jesus came to him, came to them, and said, follow after me, you know what they did? The Bible says immediately. They dropped everything. They left everything. Their mom, their dad, their, their boats, their nets. They left everything, and immediately they followed after Jesus. These were three men that had so much faith that they were willing to leave it all and follow him. So those were the men that he took into that room with him. He took the mom and the dad of the little girl into that room with him. Why? Because they desperately wanted to believe for her to live. He gets into that room, having put everyone else out that's speaking words of death over the situation, and he comes in, and he speaks to that little girl, and she rises up and is completely made well and rises up to life. They feed her. She's all good. We see that, that those words of life brought forth life in that moment. But Jesus put out every word that was not life-giving, every word that was negative, every word that was, was being spoken. He put those people out of the room, and he surrounded himself with men of faith. He surrounded himself with people that believed. I wonder, are you surrounding yourself with people that believe? Are you surrounding yourself with people of faith? Are you surrounding yourself with people that will speak life to you? and speak life to your circumstances, speak life to your finances, speak life to your marriage? Are you surrounding yourself with those type of people? If you're not, you need to get signed up for a small group today. Because we have sign-ups right over there. Those small groups are full of people that are full of it. They're full of it. They're full of faith, okay? They are full of life-giving words that they would love to speak over your life and over your circumstances. You've got, we've got to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people. It doesn't mean that we, we, we reject and no longer spend time with those people that aren't speaking life. I'm not saying that. Hear me now, okay? But we surround ourselves with people that are going to invest life and speak life into us so that then we can go out from those times full of life with a guarded heart and we can begin to then share those words with the people that need it. But the people that you bring closest to you in life should be people that are full of faith and speaking life over you and over your circumstances. Everybody agree with that? Say amen. amen. The last thing I want to do is hang out with somebody that's everything's so bad. It's like Eeyore. How are you doing? So bad. You know, I don't want that. I don't need that. Life comes with enough challenges of its own. I don't need people that are going to point that out. 
in my life. I need people that are going to say, God is amazing. Look at what he's doing in your life. Man, I know it looks bad, but God is for you, and he's going to help you, and he's going to be with you, and, and I know it's ugly. I know it looks bad, but I know it looks like there's no hope, but with Jesus, there's always hope. I need those kind of people that surround me. Then we not only need to make sure that we're speaking life to people every opportunity we get, but we need to make sure that we're speaking life over ourselves and over our circumstance. I know some of us, we can sometimes be good at speaking life over others, but then when it comes to us, sometimes that's where we're, we're like the hardest on us, aren't we? I know, I, I, I am. Um, sometimes I, I can be the hardest on myself. Say things like, I'm, I'm never going to be, it's always going to be like this. <laughs> I made that statement a little bit ago about something. And my husband quickly goes, always? Really? He goes, it's always? Like every minute of the day, it's always? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I get the point. You're right. It's not always. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I got to be careful that I'm making sure that I'm speaking. Look, look at uh, Mark eleven twenty three. You can just write it down in your notes. But Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus is teaching. He says, if you speak to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it'll be done. But how many times do we see a circumstance in our life? We see a mountain. And instead of speaking to our mountain, we go over here and we start talking to other people about our mountain. Have you seen how big my mountain is? It is huge. I don't got enough money to put gas in my tank to drive around the mountain. I don't have the equipment to climb over the mountain. I'm never going to get past this mountain. It's huge. It's, it's overwhelming. I'm, I'm just tired of looking. I'm so tired. It's so overwhelming. And we're talking about our mountain rather than speaking to our mountain about how great and how awesome and how mighty our God is and how there's a mountain in front of me, but God is able to move it or he's able to help me plow right through it or or get around it, or get over it, my God is with me, and my God is going to give me sufficient grace to be able to handle it and be able to make it through this circumstance, but instead, we're sitting there walking around the mountain, admiring it. Oh, the mountain is so big. Instead of saying, my God is bigger. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about speaking life over the stuff that's going on in your life. Stop hashtagging my crazy, horrible life. Stop it. I'm being serious right now. Some people, I see their hashtags about their kids. I see their hashtags about their marriage. I see their hashtag about their family. I see their hashtag about some circumstances. And I'm thinking you are proclaiming that over your life. And you wonder. You wonder why. That's what you keep seeing. You wonder why that's what you keep experiencing in your family. Because you're declaring it. And our words have creative power. It's Genesis 1. God said. God spoke. God declared the words. And the world was created. You and I are creating the world around us with the words that we speak. And the reality is if we don't like the world that we've created, we need to change our words. If we don't like the marriage we've created, we need to change our words. If we don't like the finances that we see, we need to change our words and get a budget. Okay? It's not enough just to change your words. You've got to change your spending. But we need to change our words because words have creative power. 
Words can either be toxic or words can be life-giving. What kind of words are we speaking? We need to detox today. I wonder what would happen if a community of believers right here in Escondido said, I am going to choose to speak life over my spouse. I'm going to choose to speak life over my kids. I'm going to choose to speak life over my neighbors. I'm going to choose to speak life over my boss. I'm going to choose to speak life over my church. I'm going to choose to speak life over my circumstances. I wonder what would happen if a community of people just began to say, hey, every time I think something good, I'm going to say it and watch and see what kind of world we create around us. Our words have power. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.